0: Hello, beloved. I wanted to continue the conversation. If you were able to tune in yesterday or whenever you listen to podcasts or watch old live streams, if you're a, a participant in the life and ministry of our church at Radiant Central Coast, or if you're just a, a digital friend, praise God. We, I love to just encourage people in God's word and to always perpetually lift up King Jesus, because if he's lifted up, he just is so good at drawing people to himself. So um, I just did a video on the mercy of God. I shared on Sunday how God's mercy is so incredible, that God has empathy, sympathy, compassion, pity, that he knows our frame. He knows that we are from dust. He, his disposition towards us is one of mercy. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He's so uh, merciful. And uh, you can just go listen to that podcast or that teaching yesterday. But uh, I was reading some journal entries, and earlier this week, I was caught up in this passage in Second Corinthians chapter 4, and it happens to be about the grace of God. And what better one-two punch than a conversation about the mercy of God and the grace of God? Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says that when we approach the throne of grace with confidence, full assurance, and boldness, two things happen to us. We receive mercy, and we find grace. We receive treatment that we don't deserve, like forgiveness, acceptance, healing, God's kindness, mercy. When we come into that space, whatever our need, we receive mercy, just like we received mercy this morning, Lamentations 3.23. Without asking for it, God is just merciful. And then I love that phrase though, and then we find grace. Grace comes to us as a gift as well, but it's not just God not treating us as we deserve, it's God giving us what we could never earn, his enabling power, his enabling presence that actually transforms us and then empowers us to live a categorically brand new life. This is the grace of God that you cannot earn. It's God's favor, it's God's blessing, it's God's power and enabling presence to actually live as his sons and his daughters, royal citizens of the kingdom of God. To live out of our true identity because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. So, mercy and grace, though distinct, they are, they are one two punch. They go together. Powerful. But look at this passage. When I, this is what kind of stirred up this, uh, this little teaching moment. This passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is incredible. Starting with verse ten, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So Paul very specifically speaking as an apostle, God's a missionary, God's messenger, and when the gospel is going forth, it's costing them deeply. There's great suffering, great persecution, great pushback. There is hostility. There is resistance. And so it's kind of like carrying death in our bodies, what he's saying. Like we're, we're sharing the good news of the gospel. God's light is breaking forth in the dark, dead hearts, and he's bringing new creation when people see the glorious face of Jesus. But for this ministry to go forward and to take root in new places and amongst new people, it costs us. That's what Paul's getting at here. Verse, uh, Let's skip down to verse 15. All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. That's That's the phrase that got me. That's what set me off on this little mini teaching on the grace of God that is not comprehensive, but hopefully encouraging to you. If you're tuning in now or later, all of the suffering, all of the carrying death in his body, all of the pushback, we're hard pressed on every side, we're perplexed, we're in despair, not in despair, we're persecuted, we're abandoned, we're struck down, but not destroyed. All of the pain as an apostle and missionary and messenger of the gospel, all of it's worth it, he says, because again, in verse 15, the grace of God is reaching more and more people causing thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. That phrase, as I was journaling a few days ago, just struck me. It's all worth it because grace is reaching more and more people. When people encounter God's grace, which of course, grace is not this appendage to what God does, just like his mercy. He is the God of mercy and the God of grace. And Christ. Christ himself is called the the incarnate word who is full of grace and truth. So grace is not this ethereal appendage to something God just kind of waves his magic wand and gives. Grace is him extending participation and invitation to participate in his very nature, one of favor, one of power, one of presence, one of divine enablement. This is the grace of God. And in that grace are all the gifts and resources that we need to live as the peculiar people of God. So Paul is like, it's all good because grace is reaching more and more people. It's like, man, do I believe in the grace of God? Just like yesterday's talk on the mercy of God. Do I really believe it's that incredible, that I'd be willing to endure anything so that the grace of God could reach more and more people? Uh, there's a, I got a bunch of scriptures today. So Paul's own testimony and, and how he made sense of his calling. Look at this in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. grace. So Paul's like, it's all worth it. The spirit tells me I'm going to pay a steep price every new town I go to. Every time I'm going to say yes to fulfilling God's call and his vocational um, impartation in my life when he, when he made me a messenger and apostle to the Gentiles. I know it's going to cost me And he's like, however much hardship comes my way, I've got a race to run and a task to complete. And he can can synergize and summarize his entire calling with this one phrase, testifying to the good news of, of God's grace. All of this is for your benefit, all the suffering, the hardship, the pushback, because grace is reaching more people all around the world. My life is worth nothing to me. My only task is principally to testify of God's good news of grace. This is incredible. And then one more, just to set up the the intro here. In Colossians, Paul writes, In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. And I I love that. This gospel, the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ, through his life, his ministry, his message, his death, his resurrection, ascension, and in light of his soon return, this message of the gospel, when when it's preached and people get the grace of God, God's favor, God's blessing, God's transforming and enabling power and presence and peace, when that touches them, the gospel grows around the world. And Paul ties the gospel's advance and growth to the, the simple idea or this principle of understanding God's grace. How God's favor actually works, is that, that un, it's the classic definition, unmerited favor. I could never earn it. It's a sheer gift. My standing in Christ, my being formed into the image of Christ, my participation in the ministry and mission of Christ, all of that is the result of God's grace. Mercy and grace. And Paul's like, it's all for your benefit. There's no cost too great. Grace has to be announced and released in the nations of the world. This is his logic, his motivation for mission. The the world has to know about God's disposition towards them. The world has to know that God has infinite grace. We're gonna look at a few of what the grace of God actually does here in just a minute, but just pause and think, man, do I view grace the way I should view it, am I am I believing that, or have I become so familiar, maybe, you, <clears throat> pardon me, maybe you've been in the church your whole life or or whatever and you're like, oh yeah, the grace of God, elementary teaching, let's move on. No, just like yesterday's teaching, we can't lose sight of the mercy of God today. We can't lose sight of our need for both his mercy and his grace. We need power. We need the grace of God to have its full effect in our lives so that we can become those people uh, that show and share Jesus in life-giving, winsome, and compelling ways. This is the grace of God. Paul's like, I'm, it's going to cost me. The Spirit tells me everywhere I go, this could be the city. It could cost you your life to share the glorious good news of God's grace and the gospel of King Jesus. But he's like, I've got to tell people how gracious God is, how kind and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. I've got to share with others the amazing news of God's grace. Isn't that awesome? So there's like four or five things that grace does. We're just gonna rapid fire. Grace saves us, rescues us from sin. Look at this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in other words, It is the grace of God, what we could never earn in ourselves that rescues us from our sin and brings us into saving relationship with Jesus. This is like, grace is amazing. It saves us, it heals us, it rescues us from our sin. It makes us a brand new creation, the grace of God, the power of God. What else does grace do? It saves, grace also sanctifies. I commit you to the God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And sanctified means just being totally set apart, fit for service, made holy for God's redemptive purposes. So it saves us and then it sanctifies us so that it also can shape us for for fulfilling God's call on our life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, for I am the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His identity is changed by grace. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God. This passage is one of my favorites. Three different dynamics of grace, identity, purpose, and power. His grace, I am who I am because of the grace of God. I was a sinner. I tried to shut down the church, but he gave me a new identity from a murderer to a missionary and then he says the grace of god wasn't without effect so it gave him a, a new mission and purpose a new identity it gave him power so the grace of god changed his nature and then he worked harder than every other uh he, he's pretty bold missionary and apostle. Not I, though, but the grace of God. Look at how amazing grace is. Three different dynamics in that one passage. So g- grace saves, sanctifies, shapes, and sends us into our redemptive potential and purpose. Isn't that amazing? This is the grace of God. Ah, look at that one more time. I am what I am, so grace I t- changes our identity. Grace wasn't without effect, so it transforms us. And then it gives us power to fulfill God's calling on our life. This is three ways that grace is at work in that one passage. And this one's, gosh, I think my favorite, one of my favorite paragraphs in the whole Bible. What does it say in Titus 2.11? Again, there's five or six dynamics of grace. I'm not going to unpack all of them. But I just want to encourage you in the grace of Christ today, because it's amazing. <laughs> Where's Titus in my Bible? Hold on. I've been using physical Bible again lately, and it's been refreshing, but I'm so used to being able to just tap a button and there's, you know, whatever. So, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Look at that. Grace saves. Grace teaches and trains. Grace enables us to live upright, godly lives. Grace purifies and redeems from all wickedness. And then grace enables us to do good works. And by that, Jesus says, when they see your good works, they'll praise you. Look at that. There's like five dynamics, I, I didn't count, of what the grace of God does. Ah! Huh. Maybe this is why Paul's like, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what the pushback is gonna be or what it's gonna mean to my life, suffering or adversity. As hard as it's gonna be, people gotta know about the grace of God. It changes everything. It changes everything. It saves Sanctifies, it shapes, it sources, it sustains, it enables us and empowers us to live out of our new purpose in in Christ. This is the grace of God. And then there's just a few passages left in the book of Acts that just, I love how the grace, if you underline grace in Acts, it's super fun. It's It's a fun little study. But look at some of these verses. Acts 13, 43, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So grace is something we continue in. It's not a one and done. It's not like the ABCs of the gospel. No, it's A through Z. It's all grace. It's all because of God's enabling power and presence. It's all because God shares out of the overabundance of his resources, of his own nature. He shares that with us to empower us to live categorically brand new lives because we're a new creation. And then verse 14, uh 26. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So I love this one too. So grace is, it can be seasonal. You have a certain grace to do certain things in certain seasons. So pay attention. What is God breathing on? What is God empowering? What is God saying, hey, I've, I'm, I'm calling you to step into this right now? I love that first missionary journey from Acts 13 to 14. It was the grace of God that enabled them to finish that first leg of that missionary journey. What is God's grace pointing you to and, and, and prodding you to and empowering you to do in this season right now? The grace of God. I love that. They were commended to the grace of God. And then Acts 14, 3. Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time speaking boldly for the Lord, confirmed the message of his grace by enabling him to perform signs and wonders. Oh, so grace has to do with signs and wonders. When you preach the gospel, Galatians 3 says, he confirms it through signs and wonders and various miracles distributed by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the grace of God. Isn't that awesome? What's amazing is we receive mercy, treatment we'd never deserve, but we find grace. The infamous one-liner from Dallas Willard is, grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. So there is grace for you if you want it. You don't earn it, but certainly God's grace will enable you, God's spirit, to go after all that the grace that Christ has available to us. Isn't that amazing? You can have more. Don't settle with the, the, your current operational reality. There's more grace, the God of all grace, just like he's the God of all mercy. He's full of it. He has, he has rivers, gobs, unlimited resource of power and enablement and favor and all of the gifts you'll ever need to fulfill the call of God on your life are accessible to us through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Where I pray that you would hunger for grace to experience it yourself and then to share it and show it with others. You are invited into this story that's principally a story that Paul, who's the great apostle, 13 letters at least of the Bible, his whole ministry is summarized, I have to, let, I have to, I have to testify of God's grace. That's his whole point. People have to know how good God is, how kind and merciful. So, again, grace saves, sanctifies, shapes, sources, sins, and it, it enables us to do signs and wonders, to continue in the ministry of Jesus. This, my friends, is the grace of God. That's the teaching. I hope you're encouraged. I mean, I don't know how really to end, but maybe just a prayer that we would hunger, we would thirst, we would long to experience God's grace. Um man. And so right now, Father in the name of Jesus, I just pray the grace of God over those who would watch this or listen later. God, we need your grace. We are we need your power in the hour that in which we live. We need your favor. We need your blessing. God, all of these 15 different passages about the grace of God but all of it flows from one, one well, the person of Jesus. And all of it comes to us from the person of Jesus by the person and power of the Holy Spirit. All because the Father in his generosity would give us the Son, and then Father and Son would give us the Spirit so that we could be swept up into participating in his very life. So Lord, I pray the grace of God would break out. I pray the grace of God would be released, and imparted to your people today. I pray that, we, that my friends would be encouraged, they'd be edified, they'd be strengthened in their inner man or their inner woman, that they would, they would find the grace of God lifting them, creating a buoyancy in their spirit and their soul to lean into what God is calling them to lean into in this season. God, I thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for how amazing it is. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. I hope you're encouraged by this little mini teaching on follow-up to the mercy of God here, the grace of God. We'll see you soon.